Welcome to episode number seven of the Get Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Wilson. Glad to be back again for uh, another edition this week, and we've got a great interview coming up with Daniel Webster. If you're unfamiliar with who Daniel Webster is, not only is he a racer in the state of Florida, but really a jack of all trades in terms of putting together a race car, whether it's as a car chief or a crew chief. Uh, building the cars, putting the bodies on them. I mean, Daniel's got his hands on everything and a, a great interview and some great stories uh, over a very long career uh, inside the racing industry, not only as a driver, uh, but as somebody who's had his hands on a lot of different race cars and some really interesting stories about some pretty famous uh, cars around the state of Florida and uh, you're definitely going to want to check this interview out. Uh, rem- uh, once again, want to remind everybody uh, to tune in uh, and be sure to check out our other podcast on the Get Hype Podcast platform, the Last Lap Edition with New Smyrna Speedway announcer Ryan Stevens. Uh, for all your short track news and opinions, be sure to check that podcast out. You can subscribe, rate, and review that podcast as well. Reminder that Hype Motorsports is a full-service sports entertainment and media marketing agency focused on building brands across motorsports platforms. Be sure you know that Hype creates custom content, branded packages, public relations, digital assets, and sponsorship sales for developing brands. If you're a developing racer, sanctioning body, or performance brand, Hype Motorsports has a custom-designed approach to meet your needs and goals. Call us today at 877-470-HYPE or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hype Motorsports. This podcast is produced by Black Sales Productions. They're a broadcast company providing turnkey and production support services. Clients trust us to deliver their content in a creative and reliable manner with clients like Hype Motorsports, Speed51.tv, and Flow Sports. You know you can't go wrong. Visit us at facebook.com slash black sales production for more information on how we can bring your vision to life. So before we get to our interview uh, with Daniel Webster, I want to touch on uh, some big things that are coming up this weekend, including the running of the 50th annual Winchester 400 at Winchester Speedway, the world's half to, ha, the world's fastest half mile, $25,000 to win in that super late model race and a full weekend of racing coming your way up there. Uh, coming up on Friday, October the 15th, the JEG CRA All-Star Tour Pro Late Models will be in action for 100 laps as well as the compacts for 30 laps. Big day there on Saturday. That's going to be qualifying day for the Winchester 400 for the super late models. But the CRA Street Stocks, the Modifieds, and the late model sportsmen are all going to be in action with each of those divisions going for 50 laps and setting things up on Sunday, October the 17th for the 50th running of the Lucas Oil Winchester 400. And they made a big announcement this week at the track that uh, former winner of the event, in fact, seven-time winner of the event, Bob Seneca is going to be the Grand Marshal for the event this year. He won the race five times in a row, five years in a row, between 1974 and 1978, and got his last win in 1991. So it's going to be pretty cool uh, to see Bob at the track there. And it looks like they're going to have one of his old cars out there uh, to show off. It might even be out there to pace the field. But Winchester 400, one of the big crown jewel events in super late model racing. Uh, Like we mentioned, Bob Seneca, the all-time winner in that event, with seven wins. You had NASCAR current NASCAR driver Eric Jones, a three-time winner in that event, in 2013, from 2013 through 2015, uh, Mike Cope, another three-time winner that also won that race three years consecutively back in 1993 through 1995. The two-time winners of that event include legendary drivers Mike Eddy, Mark Martin, Butch Miller, and Gary St. Amant. 
and it doesn't end there. You've got other big-time winners in that event that have only won the race one time but have added to the race's legacy. You had Kyle Busch win it in 2009. Chase Elliott followed that up in 2010. You had Noah Gragson winning it back in 2017. Stephen Nassie, a winner back in 2019. Even back in 1982, Rusty Wallace, a winner there at the high banks there at Winchester Speedway. And Carson Hosovar, the winner last year of this event, He's going to be one of the drivers that's going to be there this weekend as he's going to try to event, uh, you know, repeat in that event, try to win back-to-back years. Other drivers that are listed on the entry list, Cody Coughlin, Sammy Smith, Chandler Smith, Jake Garcia, who was on our podcast last uh, on our last episode, Stephen Nassi, Corey Heim, and, of course, the aforementioned uh, Carson Hosovar. Winchester 400 weekend really leads up to the crown jewel events that wrap up the 2021 super late model racing schedule here for the national schedule. Don't forget coming up on the end of the month, all American 400 weekend at the Nashville fairground speedway pro late models are going to run on October the 30th. And then on Sunday, October 31st, the super late models go for 300 laps uh, to make up their portion of the all American 400 weekend. And of course, let's not forget Snowball Derby time coming up just around the corner at Five Flag Speedway in Pensacola. The Snowflake 100 for the Pro Late Models on December the 4th. And, of course, the running of the Snowball Derby coming up December the 5th at Five Flag Speedway. The Get Hype podcast is going to keep you up to date on all of the racing uh, actions. We're going to have the results coming up from the Winchester 400, hopefully here on our next podcast, and get you set and ready to go for the All-American 400. But we have got a great interview lined up here tonight uh, with Daniel Webster. Again, he's a fascinating uh, person to talk to. Uh, Great career, not only as a driver, still continuing to drive uh, every now and again, but really has set himself up as uh, one of the premier car builders down here in the state of Florida. And he's got some great stories. And when we get back here, we're going to have a great interview here with Daniel Webster. You're going to want to enjoy this one sit back and relax and enjoy some great stories with our guest tonight on the Get Hype Podcast, Daniel Webster. We'd like to welcome our guest on the Get Hype podcast this week, a guy that he's kind of a, a kind of a jack of all trades driver. He's works behind the scenes, all sorts of things. But Daniel Webster is our guest this week on the Get Hype podcast. Daniel, appreciate you taking some time to come on and chat with us today. Hey, man, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, you're kind of changing things up for us here on the podcast. The last few weeks, we've had a lot of you know, kind of younger, up and coming drivers that are really just kind of getting their foot in the door a little bit. And, you know, you're a dri- not only a driver, but a guy that's been around uh, racing for quite a while. Uh, so you, you, you've definitely bumped up the average age of our of our guests on the show, not not to, you know, take any shots at you there. But re- anyway, we're, we're so happy to have you on here because, man, you can give us uh, a lot of perspective, not only from your experiences behind the wheel, but from everything else that you've done uh, outside of the race car as well. So we're really appreciative of you coming on and joining us this week. But just kind of have to start, you know, talk about where you're from, you know, growing up, uh, you'd mentioned earlier growing up in South Florida, but uh, tell us about where you kind of got started with your racing roots and where you kind of got the racing bug and when it started for you. 
Yeah, I definitely grew up with it from, uh, actually, my dad left early from my first birthday party to go circle track racing for the first time. Um, so that's how long it's been in my family. He was originally a drag racer and then switched over to the circle track world and eventually was a welder by trade. And that kind of morphed into building race cars and, and tuning on them and stuff like that. And um, He did some driving early on and then uh, kind of jumped up to, I guess, too early to a higher class and then stuck one of the local hot shoes in the car one night and it, it won right off the bat. So after that, he's been a crew chief ever since. So uh, he's always had cars. I've grown up with, with you know, ha having a late model in the backyard and you know, house cars or whatever, and just s got to slowly work my way up to become his driver. Um, started off in hobby stocks in whenever I was just before I turned 15, which, you know, nowadays that's old to start off. But um, back then I was definitely younger than the competition. Um, yep. Did like a year and a half of those, a year of street stocks, then moved up to sportsman, all, all at the Citrus County Speedway. Um, we, uh, were, I was from South Florida originally, went to Hialeah when I was little, back when that place was, uh, probably after the highlight of the Hialeah stories. I think I was, came in a little late for, uh, yeah. that's a whole other conversation, but, um, yes. but yeah, started off with Citrus, working way up there. And then, uh, I actually, uh, October 9th was the <clears throat> 17th anniversary of my first super late model win. Um, that popped up the other day. I was like, oh. Man, been around longer than I realized, I guess. Um, yeah, it's weird to think of myself as one of the old veterans out there. But, yeah, it's been, I won my first – actually, my first super start I won. We had triple 50 lappers at Inverness that night. And uh, my dad had split ways with the guy that was driving the car at the time. And I got the chance in it and won first night. I won the, the third leg of the triple 50s that night and beat – like Herb Newman and Mike Bresnahan, Wayne Anderson, all those guys. It was like, well, this is pretty easy. And it was a lot harder <laughs> after that. But <laughs> the first night, that was definitely a night I'll never forget. Did a, a big burnout and actually backed uh, over Newman's right front fender uh, after the burnout was over. And got pictures in victory lane of parked on top of his hood on accident. But at least I was 17 at the time. I didn't care. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'd mentioned kind of jumping up into hobby stocks. You know, a lot of drivers we hear from now, you know, they're starting running in go-karts, you know, at four and five years old, working their way up in somewhat into like quarter midgets and things like that. Was was that ever even on your radar at all as a kid or was it always just kind of being there with your dad? I wanted to. I wanted to drive anything, anytime. Like I yeah. remember being uh, watching mini cup cars. I'm like, hey, those are my size. I wanted one of those. But um, like dad was always busy with, with his cars and business and everything. And I, I just think, never really wanted to get into go-karts or dealing with the, like there's, I've heard so many stories of the, the just tire battles and how much like yeah. chemicals you have to <laughs> breathe in prepping tires for go-karts and all that stuff. And he wanted me to wait till I was old enough to drive a full size car. And there's pros and cons there. I feel like, I mean, obviously the earlier you start, the more you're going to learn, but there's also a lot of bad habits. I think you can develop that, that don't carry over to big cars where I've had to learn working with new drivers to work past different or just physically turning the wheel far enough, which is, yep. you know, in go-karts, you turn the wheel that far and that's it. You know, it's, so, yeah. you get into trucks and sports and stuff like that, you crank on the wheel. That's a super simple concept that, you know, a lot of young drivers have to work through and, and, you know, the amount of brake pedal used and stuff like that is it varies from car to car to car and, and uh, yeah, it's something you don't learn in go-karts. So, I mean, obviously, 
I've always wanted to drive stuff, but I, I think I kind of skipped some of the bad habit stage waiting to, until I was in big cars. Well, and you, you had talked about, you, you mentioned kind of growing up in the Hialeah area there and, and some of the stories you hear from the heyday of that place back in the 70s and 80s is just unbelievable. Some of the best stories you'll ever hear. I mean, good Lord, there's countless books and, and documentaries that have come out about it. What was that like kind of moving from the Hialeah area then kind of up there into Inverness and in and around Citrus? I mean, did you guys get to travel to several different tracks or are you guys always just kind of running right there at your home base, whether it was down at Hialeah or once you did move up into the Citrus area? I was six or seven when we moved up to the Citrus area. So I don't have a lot of Hialeah memories. I have some vague yeah. ones here and there, but yeah. um, we still traveled a fair amount with uh, – like the sportsman cars were really big in the early to mid nineties. It's funny how things go from, you know, through trends. And, and, uh, I think dad's cars were probably the most popular built sportsman at that time. So we were always at uh, at little Lakeland, um, like the quarter mile there that, that yeah. you know, used to be in the infield, uh, Auburndale showtime, you know, all over the place. I remember going to Lake city, New Smyrna, and, and we really didn't go to citrus that often until, let's say 97, 98 range. So it was the yeah. first three, four, five years we lived up here. We, we traveled to Nampana Gorda, obviously. I think, uh, I think dad said it's actually um, one of his sportsman cars won the grand opening, the first ever race there. So yeah. like, yeah, a lot of traveling in the, uh, the old single cab dually back then. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to see how uh, we, we, we look, I look back at a lot of stories. I had a cousin that raced uh, in like those, outlaw late models in the late eighties um, and then transitioned over into the supers early on and to see uh, the number of drivers that came out of that area and the, that era and that were racing in that time period. Now we're starting to see some of that next generation kind of coming through now. Um, what's it talk about some of the drivers like that your dad would be competing against. And then even like you had mentioned how, you know, you started running, you know, at, at such a young age there. Now you're starting to see some guys that you were racing against back in the day that are starting to hang things up a little bit. And now talk about some of this next generation of driver. I mean, you, you've had a chance to work with several of them. Uh, what's it, what can you tell in terms of a difference in just like 20 to 30 years, just how different racing has become, especially here in Florida? I feel like it's definitely changed a lot. I know back in the Hialeah days, uh, like dad got to battle with like Patrick Starpoli's dad, um, with Colin Allen's dad, like all those, you know, a lot of my friends' fathers raced down there, uh, Chad Rutherford's dad, like I, a lot of my buddies' dads raced back then. Um, like a, a lot of the big, big name guys, I, I feel like were kind of gone by then or were up in the late models and we were like street stock sportsman stuff back then. So, but then like I went through whenever I started off battling right off the bat with, with Wayne Anderson, James Powell, um, like some name guy is uh, uh me and travis cope kind of came up at the same time yeah. we uh we got into it a couple of times um and now we're both on the crew side of things kind of funny um but yeah it's uh like timmy russell someone that used to be really good advice like whenever like obviously i took to the quarter because that's where i grew up at but going to new Smyrna or big lakeland uh russell would be one of the first person to that would come to me and be like hey like you kind of need to do this at this point in time blah 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 it's different so um I feel like the racing was cleaner 10 years yeah. ago. I feel like um, it, it's the uh, the win-at-all-cost mentality has, has changed things, I feel like. Um, I'm still a little bit more old school. Like People used to give me crap constantly of 
not being rough enough, not using the bumper. And I was like, that's just how I was raised. That's how it used to be. Like when I started off in, in like it's back to hobby stocks, we used to have 25, 26 cars every single weekend. And I was a 130 pound, you know, 15 year old out there up against grown men that were mortgaging their house a second time to run their, their street stock car or whatever. And they took it serious. (laughs) I just, man i don't want to piss this guy off and have to deal with the next weekend like if, if i can't pass him clean then i can't pass him and uh you know we just like me and richie smith actually started off in uh, in hobby stocks together some really good battles like we finished first bunch that year and back then week point average so start 20th and 21st and he'd win in second after week after week but it, it taught so much passing skills racing skills like I think a lot of that's lost on today's youth a little bit of where they jump jump up without learning how to race. Like there's tons of drivers that have more raw speed than I'll ever have, but I feel like my ability from lap 35 to lap 100 really helped pave the way for to career because we never really had funding. I had to, you know, when we raced late models weekly, I relied on the car to make its own money basically. So we, I had to maximize profit every night we could. Um, there's a funny story. Uh, I remember one night Jonathan Guy won at, at Auburndale, and he roughed me up, roughed me up, and I was trying to make the outside work. And I just always had this mentality: I'm like, hey, there's 20 laps to go. That's 40 more corners I can win. There's 15 to go. It's 30 more corners I can win. I'm faster. Just take it easy. And I got to his outside with like 10 to go, and he ran me up the hill really bad. And uh, I got the guy, got it gathered up, finished second. And uh, Bones was the first person in my window net. Anyone knows him? They, they know Bones. Yep. And he rips my window net down. He's like, "Why didn't you wreck him?" And I'm like, "It still pays fifteen hundred for second. And he's like, yep. "That's really smart. You thought about that while driving?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, this still six hundred dollars on the night. Like, I'd you know, yep. I can try to win next week and not piss off the track owner's son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Even that's that's might have deserved there. it that night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, like, I, I feel like I'm." Yeah, yeah I just, I, for some reason I feel like I'm calmer in the seat than like if now I'm a spotter. Like I feel like I get more riled up in the spotter stand. Like I have yelled "drive over his roof" before, and um, <laughs> in the car I'm like, "Well, maybe it was my fault. I don't know." Like I don't know. I mean, financially it's good. I've, I've always uh, been calmer in in the seat than than out. So it's, it's helps extend my career. Now you had mentioned kind of in starting your way up there as well, you know, how, how early on in your career, I mean, are you working with your dad? Are you working on the cars each and every week, you know, learning what you need to do in terms of setting things up and fixing thing, things up? I, I would think that that had a lot to do with your driving style and knowing that if you went out there and wrecked it, you were going to be the one having to go fix it. And and that I think is another thing that you mentioned about today's drivers that kind of gets lost now to where not every driver coming up now. I mean, most drivers coming up now don't really know how to turn a wrench, uh, let alone fix something. If something breaks on the car, you know, how much of that went into your driving style? I think a lot. Cause I mean, even uh, like I was in the shop every day, like we, we lived kind of out in the woods a bit. Like I had a couple friends nearby that I could walk to there, but for the most part, I wanted to be in the race car shop and I was, you know, popping rivets and, and helping change motors or whatever at seven, eight years old. And um, coming up through there, like, I remember whenever I turned 14, we had an old, you know, V8 bomber or whatever it was in the backyard. And dad's like, all right, let's push it up here. And like, I had to, he's like, all right, you know, torch this area out. And I literally, I didn't know how to use a torch. I had to like a 
okay, you have to get it glowing first, then pull the trigger. All right. Like that's on my first car. I learned how to torch. I learned how to weld. I learned how to grind and pipe fit and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was, uh, I had to do as much as I was capable of doing, I, you know, I was expected to do. So, um, I remember a lot of late nights, like getting done with homework and going out to the shop at nine, 10 o'clock at night and blasting, you know, disturbed or whatever was cool back when we were in high school and, yeah. and, uh, working on the car till, till bedtime. And yeah, like it, even at that age, like I was doing my own, you know, tire prep. Cause back we were on radial street tires. Like you yep. soak the crap out of those things that day cause I never checked. And, uh, that was one of my, my nightly, you know, Wednesday night was, you know, tire night or whatever. And I had a tire cutter and, uh, we bought one of those tire cutting machines, like to true the tires and tread and everything. Cause you didn't want a, a full, like tread block on a street tire and yeah. and that kind of came my side job like i did half the cars that race citrus would you know bring their tires to me and to trim up and angle cut and stuff like that so um yeah i got into to making money on the racing side a little bit back when i was you know 15 years old or whatever i was gonna say when when did that you know you kind of transition from uh, I mean, you still get out and drive. I, I don't want to, you know, make it sound like you've completely stopped driving. But at the same time, you're not only it necessarily your priority changed, but like you mentioned, you've got the opportunity to make money and to start to work with other people. When did when did it click with you that, you know, you can just do more than just being behind the wheel? Was it, was it about that time then? And, and what kind of progressed you into that, you know, next level to where you kind of are today? It really looks like you really laid the foundation for where you are now uh pretty early on in your racing career yeah i feel like just being super hands-on like i i never had the choice but to learn as i went so i, yeah. I stacked a lot of knowledge as i went and would would help other friends out and stuff and, and i remember having guys that were twice my age asking me simple questions i was like i know that and you don't that's okay that's weird but yeah. um moving on like uh I, I didn't really have any that much interest in doing it for a living um because I wanted to race. I wanted to drive every weekend. Yeah. And then um, like 2012, 2013, we dominated. We won a pile of races. We won a tour series championship. 2014, we struggled, just dealt with a, a lot of part failures and and uh, just bad luck. There's a couple, like one night I was leading and the ignition box went out. Another night I was leading a broken axle. Another night I was leading and had a flat tire. Like the performance was still there, but the bad luck throughout the year really kind of just made it more frustrating and before it was it would like the next following weekend we go run first or second again like then in 2013 i ran nine straight tour series super races in the top two i mean it was with a mid-90s race car i mean and just me and dad and usually one other helper so we we're max profit every night and made it easy to keep wanting to do it and and it was making its own money so yeah. um I, I did vinyl wraps for about 10 years that was a, a way for me to do something kind of in the racing industry but not have to work on weekends because i was like you know i want to drive yeah. um then i went to work, work at race car engineering for a couple of years and uh again you know a racing themed job that i didn't have to work every other weekend but yeah. it just didn't pay enough um so then the job opportunity opened up at, at chris fontaine's at uh the start of 2015 season and like I had become really close friends with Kevin Ingram. He's crew chief, general manager. And uh, yeah. I, I asked him, like, hey, what's, it, what, what's that job pay? And it was almost double what I was making. I was like, okay, well, I have to try that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, all right, like I pretty much know how to do everything. Like I already hang out with him, you know, most nights of the week anyway. And I would just hang out, you know, sober during the 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I, I went to, to work there at the beginning of 15 and, uh, like he, he didn't race Auburndale at the time or citrus. So I figured I'm like, yeah, I could still get a, a quite a bit of racing in, but it, we, my car at the time was so ragged out. It had been together for so long. Yep. It was, it was time to strip it down and to completely go through it. And, um, my dad had a 1965 Corvette that my grandpa bought in 67. My dad drove it to his prom and it sat for decades and it just, it needed full attention basically. So like, we'll just yeah. park the race cars for a while. I'm going to try the new job. And, uh, he spent a lot of time completely renovating the Corvette and, uh, which it turned out beautiful. He drives crap out of it. But, um, that was part of the reason too, where it's like, all right, maybe it's time to do, to take a break here. And I still made a couple one-off starts driving for other teams and, and rebuilding my car yeah. slowly over time. But then it got to the point where like, well, now I'm working eight, nine hours a day, an hour and a half away on race cars. So I want to drive an hour and a half back to dad's shop to work on a car that doesn't pay me. Um, so it was hard to get motivated to go back and, and, and put it back together. And then Chris got more, more and more involved, like expanding our schedule. And yeah. then, I started to date a race car driver also that, that wanted my help whenever possible. So that cut even more into my schedule of being available to, to race. So yeah, yeah it, um, it kind of just transitioned away from me being the focal point driving wise between Chris and the ex. Like we're every weekend I was wanted somewhere, not in a fire suit. So yeah, it was, uh, it was hard to find time to drive. Um, I tested a lot with, uh, with Chris's cars. He didn't like, he doesn't like being sweaty, which is a weird you know, for a race car driver, but, um, <laughs> so I'd get paid to go, you know, I'd go practice Thursday or Friday on his cars and get them tuned in. So I was still keeping that sharp, but you still lose a step on racing that you don't get practicing, like, you know, yep. restarts and wreck missing and stuff like that. I, I feel like I took yep. a, a big step back on and setting passes up. Like I got in Chris's car one night and was way faster the field. It's like, I should have passed this guy already. Like what the heck This yep. is normally so natural it was kind of hard to, to get that back. Like I had to really kind of commit to, all right, like I bought my newer car. Um, I bought one of Campy's cars, um, yeah. from his rental fleet. It was actually the, his winningest car to date, uh, at that time anyway. Um, yeah. and cause I, I went to him, you know, to back up like, Hey, what, like, I just watched that thing haul ass at one here at one there. Like I've yeah. never, ever had set up help before but you know, I'm struggling on the half mile stuff, how much to make my car turn like that thing. He's like, well, we'll just buy this one. It's like, never really thought about that, but yeah, <laughs> so, kind of a no brainer right there. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. He's, I'll, I'll do that. So, um, yeah, it was fast right off the bat. I just had the, the, the all the good luck I cashed in from like Oh seven to, to 13. Oh God, I'm still paying it back. Um, yeah, the 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 first ten thousand to win race showtime I had I felt like one I started ninth drove to the lead was I could cruise on on Nassi and Atwell and all those guys at will and a thirty five cent nut backed off and uh, I was still leading with it dragging and sparking and stuff and it finally cut the tire down while while leading I was like oh and I probably had about eight hundred bucks in my name at that time and I'm leading a ten thousand yeah. dollar race like okay, maybe we need to do something different for a living. And, um, I, I did attempt to have an, an adult job as I jokingly call it. I, I sold health insurance for about a year. Um, I gave it a try. Uh, it's, it's not for me. I was, it's not, it's uh, not for everybody. No, 
No. Having no. to wear a tie and shiny shoes to sit in an office by yourself is really hard for me to to get behind and uh, to sail. Uh, not my thing. So, um, like at that time, like I was, I was almost kind of work, like slipping into a bit of, de of a depression, just being stuck in an office. And, and I was living in Fort Lauderdale, not with any of my friends, not really going racing. And um, I had become good friends with, with Chad Rutherford. And he's like, hey, man, I, I need a body hung on my car. Um, I'm wanting to sell it. It's beat up. Chad Pierce does all his work. He's like, he doesn't have time to get to it. It's for speed weeks. Yeah. I want the car there. Like, can you do this for me? I'm like, yeah, I'll take a week off of work or whatever. And I did it. And then um, I was driving a, a modified for Mike Sweet at the time. And, and it, it uh, broke a top link bracket. And he's like, Hey, can you, um, you know, get to see your dad and have him fix it. I want it done soon. And I'm like, well, just pay me to do it. So I took another week off of work and did that. And I was like, okay, I feel a lot more like myself doing this. And yeah. uh, like a, a couple of my close friends, like, man, your, your work, your craftsmanships is, is, you know, on par with everyone else's, yeah. like, why don't you just do this for a living? Like, yeah. I'm like, well, I'm, what I'm doing right now, like, I'm not, I don't really have the free time and the money to race anyway, so it's, yeah. I might as well get, like, I kind of felt like I, I kind of fell off a track life-wise a little bit with the insurance yeah. deal because it just, it ain't me. So um, no. <laughs> I started doing that, and I've had about two days in the last two years where I didn't have any work scheduled. So, uh, yeah, it's immediately crazy busy. Um, and in relationship one fun, like with, with the socios, they were, um, they were my first real full-time client. I've got a lot of other people pop yeah. in for little things or whatever, but they were really struggling and literally about to quit. Like they were running so yeah. poor that their the wife and mom didn't want to come to the track anymore and type the deal like, hey, we're just gonna, you know, run around the back. This is stupid, we're spending money for nothing. And um it's funny, that car I drove in twenty thirteen and fourteen for it was uh Kevin Ingram's car. It was the Z car yeah. that everyone uh, hated on so much back then. And I want to pile races with it back then. And it's like, it was weird for me and this car to get reunited, but not as a driver. Um, but yeah, I went to work on it and just kind of applied some of the stuff I'd been learning. And next thing you know, we got, Tim's got a bunch of fast times. We haven't won a race yet because apparently I brought my bad luck uh, to his car or he has it too. <laughs> I don't know, but um We've knocked off of seconds and thirds and fourths, and he's in contention to win every every race, and they're super excited. But it, it's cool to to work with these people to the point where you know they're inviting me to go out on the boat with them and stay the night at their house and yep. take me to dinner, and they brought me a birthday cake to the racetrack because it was my birthday on a on work day, and you know, um, it's it's cool. Like, and now I'm working with uh, with Taylor Watson, and uh, she's a quarter midget driver and legends. It's moving up to trucks, and uh, it's my my new crew chief slash driver coaching deal where you know the truck stays here because you know his, her dad's very race car smart but he's too busy running his yeah. business so it's yeah. worth time versus money to, to pay me to keep the car ready for him to go and just meet them at the track with it and uh and and now like i've worked with them for a month or two and her dad's texting me every day like hey you know show me some progress picks on your new car i want to see how it's coming you know like we've you know, it's fun developing new new relationships and you know not just making it a paycheck like it makes it a lot more yeah when you're, when your heart's involved with it. Cause like I said, with the Sozio, man, we've been so close and, and yeah. they set fast time at the biggest sports race there's ever been before with an old war out race car. It was really cool. And I hated that it. it got tore up. I think he, he could have, could have had a shot to win that night, but 
Yeah, and they trust me to the point now. It, it's fun working with them. Like tomorrow um, is practice night for the big 3,000 win wheelman race, and yep. they can't make it. So like, hey, just you know, take the car and the trailer to the racetrack, go practice it, get it tuned in. We trust you. We'll see you Saturday. So I'm like, oh, I get I get paid to go make laps in a race car tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's to me, it, it's so cool to see because like you mentioned, the frustration of going from being a driver to then kind of almost taking a step back, back out of the driver's seat. But you but you mentioned it, you, you've had the opportunity through your years in working with Crystal where you still have been able to get seat time. You still are able to run a one-off or a race here or there, you know, in your own car. Uh, and and tr man, I, I mean, the little bit that I've got to know you over the years, man, I can't even imagine you being an insurance salesman. I mean, good Lord. Uh, but to see, just to, to see how you are now, I mean, it had to obviously have been frustrating throughout the years, but to see where you are now, uh, it's got to make it almost all worth it. Uh, I, I want to touch on a couple of things here that you mentioned uh, while you were talking there. If In my notes, I literally just have one note uh, here and on this one line, and it literally just says Z-Car. Um, when I first... <laughs> Well, I, I'm late to the game. Like, I mean, I grew up, you know, watching my cousin racing. But in terms of me getting involved in racing, I was kind of late to the game. I feel like um, it was beginning, uh, the very beginning of like 2013, 2014 at DeSoto uh, was when uh, I started. And my very first night there, I'm doing turn five with Bob. There's this Z car. And everybody's talking about this car. And I'm like, well, what the hell is so special about this car? It's literally just a black car with a giant Z on it. And everybody <laughs> said, wait till you see this thing on track. You'd mentioned it while you were talking about it. Where, what does that car mean to you? That was such a fun time, man. That thing, it, um, it, it was just ahead of everybody. Like it was, it was Kevin's pet project. And like I say, he's a, he was at the time a camper world truck crew chief. You know, he's raced yeah. his whole life. He's built all his own cars and, and that was his little baby. That was his project. And he built it. He's like, I want it to win. I don't want to fix it all the time. He's like, you're the only driver I know that can go as fast as me and not tear the car up. So, um, that's how I got tagged to drive it. Um, it's funny, like he, he built it and it, it changed hands a bunch. It was, it was an old Gark chassis that I want to say was a, I, I just recently found out it was originally a Perry Brown super late model. I don't even know when that would have been. And he sold it to Joe Boyd. Um, they ran it for a long time. Brady gave it to Jason Rendell as just a bare frame. Rendell sold it to uh, Dave Culprit, who used to race uh, sportsmen's. He never did anything with it. He sold it to Ingram, and Ingram made a sportsman car out of it. And it was the first crate motor car. It was the first true wedge body car. And uh, and they didn't really tech that much back then, so we had it all coil bound, yeah. and we had some some you know written springs out of the truck in it and stuff like that. So it it rode around dragging the nose all the way around the track where everyone else was you know looked like a street stock still. Yeah, so we're yeah, yeah. we're ahead a little bit, but. Uh, and it was fun racing for Kevin too, because like he had a forty-eight foot trailer with living quarters in it and stuff like that. I was, you know, I felt like I was, you know, high fluid because like me and Dad always had just like a little twenty-four foot trailer we raced out yeah. of. Um, and, and at that time, like I said, I was leading the Tour Series points with the Super and and knocking off, you know, first, second every night or whatever. And then I was paying my rent at that time just from bonus money, but from Dad or or from Kevin um, with the Z car. <laughs> like we'd not we. Yeah, that was, we won a pile of races in, in two years there. Um, 
it was funny. Like Kevin originally built the car, took it out to the track, and they I guess they just they they attempted to put a duct tape number two on it, but did a very poor job. And somebody called it a Z, and they're like, "Oh, it's a Z car!" Like that was literally that was the joke. And he's like, "It's, it's Z car now." Um, he actually sold it, sold it to somebody else. They never raced it. It got sold again, still never raced. And then somebody else wanted another car he was building. And whenever he got the the new car done, he traded it back for that car. And that's when I started driving it. Like it was, it changed hands a bunch of times. And then um, he was going through a divorce, and he he ended up selling it, and the the Sozios got it. And then um, Tim actually moved to Dallas for a while, selling uh, tickets for the Mavericks. So it it sat for years more after they had it. So it's crazy, like the little life story that that car's been on, but. Yeah, at the time, I think the first 10 races I drove, it, I had five wins in three seconds. And the other two were battling for the win and spun the leader out or spun himself out, however you want to look at it. Um, it's like we even drag raced it one night at Showtime. We were bored and they had a, <laughs> the deal where you could just pay and run whatever yeah. down the drag strip. And Kevin yeah. Kevin was hitting the crown bottle pretty hard that night. And he's like, get the car back out of the trailer. I'm like, for what? <laughs> it's like, we're drag racing. I'm like, all right. So we we flip flopped the right front and the left rear tire to take the stagger out of the back, and then yep. I ran an eight forty nine in the eighth mile on the chip for about three hundred feet. <laughs> oh my god, man! Like like I said, <laughs> like that that was my that was my introduction to you. I mean, I, I had heard of you obviously, um, but to you know, the first time I can remember getting to see you drive is in that is in that Z car, and I just remember Bob telling me he's like, when you're writing your recap, don't worry about anything else, just keep an eye on this Z car, this whole race, and you're going to have your recap ready to go. Um, you had mentioned, um, I want to talk about another, another car. Well, not really a car, but another chassis. Um, I've always wanted to ask you about this and I've never gotten a chance to talk to you about it. You talked about the years that you were able to work with Chris Fontaine and helping him out, not only on their late model program, but you got your hands on arguably the most famous chassis in all of NASCAR truck series racing freak um for anybody that doesn't know who freak is it's one of the longest running chassis in the history of the sport it was a three-time winner at daytona and it was built in 1998 and it ran for over 20 years and it literally is and was a freak and you got to work absolutely what was that a lot (laughs) uh uh tiring (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the, the uh, my my other note racing. here, yeah, my other note I have here is fourteen crashes in twenty years. Is my other note with that chassis? Does that sound about right? It had a hard life. Yeah, it yes. um, it, it's crazy. Like, there's not there's very few race specific race cars that have its own YouTube story that you can go watch a yep. video on Freak. Like, literally, when you get done, you guys go YouTube Freak. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it was, you know, Bobby Hamilton senior's truck and, and he won in it. And, um, I want to say Terry cook drove it. Um, it was, it was originally a Dodge. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it won a a handful of Daytona races, uh, as a four and an Oh four. Um, yeah, it was the old square D thing originally. And then it became, it was actually the first ever Toyota truck. Like Mm -hmm. it was the truck that it was the first TRD, like, you know, test truck or whatever. Um, and that thing was old enough. Like it raced Martinsville. It it, it ran a bunch of other tracks too, before it became a specifically a speedway truck. Yeah. And they hit on something with, with the roof and the floorboard combination of that truck. 
was it's funny like speedway racing i've learned so many things that do not matter in any other form of racing because it's all about yep. just lack of downforce that he, he can't carry over but yeah the yep. angle of the floorboards the location of them um and the pitch of the roof that thing like every year we'd go through tech and like the head tech guy would come over when we go through the overall and he's like it's, it's no there's no way and he'd put the templates up there look 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 i'm like okay like it was perfectly cheated up and in like an unreplicable way um yeah. it was funny because kbm used to do all of our clip work and after one of the times it was killed because you know speedway yeah. racing happens yeah. um it was at KBM, and uh, Kevin used to work really close with Doug George, who was uh, Johnny Sauter's crew chief for a long time, um, worked with Rico, and uh, he would help out, or whenever he was between jobs, he would freelance for, for Fontaine, and we had him like, hey, run over to, uh, to KBM real quick. I need to get a, a couple measurements off of something. I forget what it was. It was he walked in, and they had a paper mache mold of the floor pan they were taking of the truck wow. to copy for theirs. Wow. And it was so old it had the stock the stock stamped out floor pans because you could do just you know normal yep. sheet metal ones or whatever. It still had the stamped out stock ones and, and they were copying it for their trucks. Um, the one of the coolest memories, like for whatever reason that truck we we never ran a left side skirt. And it looked terrible with like this big dorky eight inch ride height that looked yeah. like a an old seventy six Monte Carlo down the left side, but it let air out of the left side, I guess. And yep. we would always go to the track with the skirt on and we'd try to play around and, and every time I'm like, dude, it's, let's just try the skirt. It looks so much better. And we'd always take it back off. And, uh, four years ago yesterday, according to Facebook memories, we were P one in practice with no skirt. Yep. And, uh, it was so cool for literally, it was just me and Kevin put the truck together and then we would gather up like, uh, that year we took Dennis Dean from Sergi's team, uh, Cazone from race car engineering to Tommy Steyer, and me and Kevin, and we would drive up there, and we'd, that was the team. We'd go race, and we, we would rent it yeah. over the wall crew. Um, but uh, two people from Auburndale put this truck together, and we, we won a practice session, which you know yeah. sounds goofy, but at that level, it's like, holy crap. And we kept looking at the pylon, like, we're P1. The next morning, we roll out to qualify, and I watched Christopher Bell go by, no left side skirt. And I watched you know, Matt Crafton go by, no left side skirt. We're like, everyone cut their skirts off. After that, I was like, holy crap, we did that. Like, me and Kevin influenced the whole, all the KBM and Thor and yeah. GMS. Everyone cut their skirts off, like, because what the freak could do with no left side skirt. And they, they started building new truck chassis with higher left side frame rails to let more air out, be trying to replicate or, or outdo what the freak was doing. Um, like, the, the day that thing, it finally, I believe, is killed beyond replacement, was running second pushed Grant Amfinger all the way yeah. to the lead and uh, he, he tried to get down and just the timing didn't work out right. Got hooked at the fence yeah. and it's, it's wrinkled everywhere, but it's still sitting at Chris's shop. Um, God, it's, it's so cool to, to, to have a hand in that thing. And actually I tweeted Dale jr. I was like, Hey, I got a pretty famous truck here. Do you want the freak for your backyard? And he wrote back, yep, I'll take it. And then afterwards, Chris was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm like, Oh, come on, I want to go to Dale Jr.'s house and drop it off. But I mean it was that Dale's big of a curator deal that he replied on yeah. he replied on Twitter about that yeah. truck. Like that's how big of a deal that thing is. I mean, Dale's a curator for the Hall of Fame, and in my opinion, I, I mean I think that tr that chassis belongs in the Hall of Fame just for the 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 life that it experienced. Um it, it had wins at Daytona, 
with obviously Bobby Hamilton Sr. Joe Rutman was the first to win in it. Robert Presley even got a win in it. And then, like you said, you'd mentioned like Terry Cook got to drive it. Um, after Bobby passed away, Dennis Setzer got to drive it. Heck, even Kenny Schrader yep. uh, drove it uh, a time. I, I believe he drove it once. But then, you know, Chris just kept this truck going. And I mean, you guys would typically just run either Daytona or Talladega with it. I know, I know, Chris. I think I think he did a one-off at Eldora one time. But I mean, just the history of that. And like you mentioned, that YouTube video. I, I remember that popping up one time on YouTube, and I'm like, I'm like, I know this, I know this guy, I know this truck. I didn't know this. This is what this is about. <laughs> so it's it's incredible to see that that you had a small piece of the little team that could, you know, from Auburndale, Florida, yeah. uh, going up with the best in the business from Charlotte, uh, that, that, that had to be something. I mean, that to me, it's going to go down in the history books with some of the, you know, Jeff Gordon's known for blacker, uh, you know, Dale jr. Always talks about, I remember him talking with Steve park about how Steve park built redheaded stepchild. That was just this, this yep, badass yep. Bush series <laughs> car. Uh, and Dale senior, I remember he told him, he said, paint the rail, you know, paint the frame red so that when I'm sitting in my, in my motor home, I can see how far in the back that car is. And, and lo and behold, it becomes one of the best short track cars in, in, in you know, in mm -hmm. DEI. And it's just incredible that, you know, you guys had an opportunity to, you know, continue on the legacy of this truck. I mean, man, it was fast. I mean, you look, you look at the results. I mean, with Chris, even there were a couple races there where if he's got the right kind of help and the right kind of push at the end, uh, you got, I mean, you see the crazy finishes that have been happening at Daytona and Talladega <laughs> these last few years. It's hard to believe with as many times as you guys were up in the front that you guys didn't capture one of those wins. Cause I mean, you guys were in it almost every single year. The first race they took that thing out. Um, he led, a pile of laps at Talladega and he ran out of gas yeah. with six to go. And like yeah. that thing, and it was another night where he was leading at, uh, at Daytona, the, the, the second race on, he was leading Daytona with like with two to go or five to go with Kyle Busch pushing him. And Kyle said, he's like, I'm going to push you like my, my truck. Like it, it follows that truck better than any truck out here. Like I'm pushing yeah. you tonight. And a wreck started inside of Kyle and it took him out and it hooked Chris in the process. And it was like, yeah. there's so many, nights where that thing was absolutely the truck to beat um in 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 a form because like chris actually ran a full-blown season and like he, he ran for points i want to say 2012 ish or something like that 11 or 12 i forget but um before i worked there but kevin needed to find a speedway truck because like hey he's like he's got a, a couple trg trucks they bought a brand new harvick truck at the time for intermediates yep. we need a speedway truck and uh he like him and Doug George found this truck. It was at somebody's barn. Like it was covered up in the back of a just barn. Like wow. Like like a story out of like Days of Thunder or some crap. Or this thing was just in the back of like a, a father and son bought it and never did anything. Like they were going truck racing and never did anything with it. And um, he had BJ McLeod go look at it for him because you know they're yes. being based down here in Florida. And he's like, I don't know what you want this hunk of crap for. It's covered in like chicken <laughs> poop, like blah blah blah. Like you're wasting your money on this thing. And Kevin's like, dude, look look at the results on this truck. Like, you know, yeah. like I don't care if it's a barn find. Like we're going. and sure enough, it goes out there and, and Chris damn near won his first truck race the first night in it. Like that's how he became like that. He went from that weird brightly colored truck in you know twenty fifth to. You know, Chris yeah. Fontaine's super speedway expert because that truck, it it just worked. <laughs> and actually, yeah, the, um, I mean, a couple of, a couple of years ago, the the manager or the guy that runs the frame shop at KBM said, "I, I will fix it labor free if you guys want to try to fix it." It was like, 
Yeah, I, don't, I mean, Chris is kind of retired from NASCAR stuff, so I don't know what for, but it'd be cool to do again. Even just to put it back as a show truck or something, man. Like I, that's, I what, I'm, I, I that's would, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I I, I would be oh, down to help work on that. I'm, I'm sure sure I could find a few free nights to to go help put it back together again. Absolutely. Well, another couple cars I w- I want to ask you about while we got you on here. You know, over the course of the last few years, uh, a race that's really gained a lot of momentum and a lot of steam has been the throwback race at Hickory every year, and. I mean, I don't know what has inspired you these last couple of years to put your car together to go run these events. I mean, that's quite a haul from down here in Florida, but not only just to go up there and compete, but in terms of putting together an incredible throwback scheme, I'd say you're two for two up there these last two years. Talk about what inspired you to do the Winston theme, the the old Jimmy Spencer theme from 98. And heck, it was so good, you kept it on the car even after the race was done. I mean, I remember you showing up at Showtime this year, and I'm like, what the heck is that thing still doing here? Uh, <laughs> what kind of inspired you to do that? And then uh, I, I've got a prop here for the other one, so we'll just talk about the Winston one right now. Yeah, I uh, I just, when NASCAR started doing that at Darlington, I loved it. I just, uh, I'm yeah. a paint, like being a vinyl wrap guy, like paint schemes are my thing. Like I'd sit here and like yeah. design paint schemes. I did it for a living for a long time. And seeing the the Larson with the mellow yellow car and uh, even Austin Dillon doing the, the, the senior silver bullet car the other year, like all those schemes were just it's super cool to me. And I was like, you know, let's, and at, at that time we, we just like, I, I had a couple races picked. I'm like, all right, I bought an up-to-date, nice race car that's capable of competing at the big out-of-state stages, not just an Auburndale, you know, Citrus car or whatever. Well, let's go run that race. It just looks super cool. Cars Tour does a great job putting it on. Um, and I was trying to come up. I'm like, I want something red because I'm not wrapping the whole car. Like, that's too much work. Yeah. And uh, actually, it, to, to make an even better story, Rick Wilson's son, Travis, is the one that he sent me yeah. two ideas. And uh, one of them was the Winston car. I'm like, Oh, that'll work. That's perfect. It's 23. I could leave my number on it and be really well. Like, you know, the cars are 33. Like that's, um, and it, yeah, it got such a big reaction whenever I got back. I'm like, I originally was going to peel the Winston off and just make it say Webster or something like that. But everyone loved it so much the way it was. I just rolled with it for a long time. And then, um, I actually changed that car to a, a high life Miller high life throwback on it. I just haven't got to run it much. Like I just did it just to yep. do it, like not to go to any throwback race. Um, I think it was, well, I might have been after I, I ran second to Atwell last year. I think I did it for the full throttle last year, the High Life scheme. Yep. And since then, I've got to drive the car like twice because every weekend I'm not working, there either isn't a race or it gets canceled due to the tire shortage. So March was the last time I drove my freaking car. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if if they ever do decide to open North Wilkesboro back up again and they run some kind of a throwback or a retro race, I'm telling you, you have to bust the Winston, you have to bust the Winston logo back out again. And I think the the folks from RJ Reynolds would, would love that. But I want to talk a little bit about this year. You know, you go back up to Hickory again this year and I mean, normally I, I can't, I mean, I have a couple of die casts back here behind me, but I, I didn't think, you know, I'd ever get a chance to really kind of bust this out on the show here. What about this one? What inspired you I this mean, year to do the Budweiser theme, other than it being, you know, one of the most iconic moments in NASCAR history in the last 30 years, uh, the 20th anniversary of Dale Jr. winning in that car? I mean, just, in, I mean, I would have to assume you had plenty of uh, ideas to kind of inspire inspire you for that. Yeah. There's plenty of reasons on that one. Um, 
they, that uh, we planned on taking my dad's car this year, so he he ended up uh, coming across. He got a good deal on a car, and it's almost an identical car to mine. So, but it had a white body on it, and I had only ran it once prior to this race, and I was designing the scheme on it, and I made the the sides of the roof and the the A post, B post, everything in red, and then um, like so like the car sitting there, white white car, red roof, and like, like we decided. Uh, well, hey, let's go try the throwback race again. Like it was really fun the other, you know, uh, last time. Let's let's give it another shot. Like um, we were pretty fast the first time up and just got wrecked early. So like you know, let's go back and you know, see what we can do and like let's come up with a scheme. And I started looking and it, it took me like two minutes. I'm like, it's not only is it super easy because the cars almost already has that design on it. Like you said, it's growing up a big Earnhardt fan. Obviously, my number's been three or 33 almost my whole life and like i'm looking at a stack of three die cast cars over there there's earnhardt poster on the wall there's other nurse like <laughs> it's um like it, it's it was just super fitting growing up such a big earnhardt fan and having a, a white and red car um and it was the 20 year anniversary of of the like one of the most memorable moments in nascar history like you said like you have yeah. the like, you know the the wreck on the the backstretch in '79, um, and uh, God, I think I feel like Dale Junior. winning that race was a top three, at least top five moment in the sports history uh, for I everything agree. it meant. And yeah. man, like we, uh, I struggled up there. Like I, I went with a different setup this time, and and it, it didn't work. And I hated running poorly with that scheme. But the line of people, especially in the Hickory area, uh, that wanted yeah. to come up and yeah. just. Almost thank me for running that paint scheme. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I was I was looking at it earlier. I'm like, God, it looks so good. I hate to peel it off. Like, it put our, uh, um, you know, normal scheme back on it. It looks so freaking cool. Like, it's it still does. And like, it's it just you know because. You know, when they had the, the, the best look year, the you know, best appearing car contest going, yeah. uh, you know, some people were commenting like, oh, you know, the, the other car looks better, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, that, that particular Budweiser scheme, just it inflicts yeah. so much emotion in so many people. You know, like it brings you back to that moment, like that huge healing moment for the whole sport, like how much that particular scheme. I mean, that side of that car still hangs in Junior's podcast studio. Like you see it yes. watching the yep. download. Like it's that's the I'm pretty sure the only eight car stuff in there is that particular car. Yes. So yes. it's uh like I said, it it was too easy not to. <laughs> I mean, for me, like to not to get like too deep on it, but like you go back to that moment in in history, you know, Dale Jr., that's when he ascends to the face of the sport. You know, you think about it, you know, that's the 2001 all-star cars, the white car, you know, that, that was Cal Ripken's last all-star game. That was the big buildup to, to them running that scheme. And then here comes Dale returning to Daytona, uh, you know, four or four or five months after his dad passes away. Now, the only thing I got to ask, did, did you get the skull and crossbones on the inside of the car? Like, like he had, like on the dashboard that Budweiser absolutely freaked out about that he had that up there near a Bud logo. <laughs> no, I, I forgot about that. That would have been attention of, uh, to detail right there. That would have been good. That was it was hard. I, I had to sit there and design all the, the baseball guys out by hand on the computer. Yeah. That was time consuming enough. <laughs> um but yeah, thankfully I got like I said, the the background in, in vinyl work. Um it was a pain. I was sitting there like in this chair, just sitting there and click, 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 designing like the, the little baseball guys and and uh coming up, you know, finding the right font when and the the outlaw on the side of it and then the We Care logo and like I was trying to make it as 
as accurate as I could. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, it was cool, man. And then it uh, ended up winning the best appearing con uh, contest there after all those cool campaign schemes. Like the Sterling Marlin car, I almost feel bad I built, beat it because that thing looks yeah. so good. But um, that nice. 500 bucks almost paid off uh, the amount of diesel it cost to drive there and back. <laughs> almost yeah that was the, almost. But that's one of those weekends again like we're, yeah you're you're gonna look back and you're gonna say man you know obviously we didn't get the result we wanted to but man what a, what a cool moment what a cool opportunity so uh we appreciate you coming on before we let you go we we've got to talk about right foot down motorsports you talked about how you know racing is it's your job now you're you're done selling insurance man those days are past you What's it been like getting to start Right Foot Down Motorsports and tell us what it's all about and, and, and what kind of where you are now and what you're planning on doing with uh, with it? Yeah, uh, busy. Um, it's it's crazy busy. how busy racing has become. Like, like, yeah, I was scared a year and a half ago. I'm like, I literally just decided to go into business working on race cars and then the lockdown happens for the pandemic. And I'm like, what, what, am, what am I going to do now? Like, like we can't go race. Well, how am I going to work on race cars? This is literally, I think I, I started doing this in March. And when, when did the lockdown happen? Like also March, I want to yeah, say. Then, um, then, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, crap, this is not good. Um, but you know, I, I feel like the, uh, the focus, um, on racing really, rebounded during that time because it was you know thankfully being in florida um you know we don't really pay attention to the rest of the country and just live our life the way it is so racing you know only was down for a short amount of time and it, some people took that time to go ahead and invest in you know fixing up their cars and you know use it as like a little mini off season um and once you got rolling again like it's just been non-stop of of a resurgence i feel like in racing in general and uh so i feel like it that timing wise went well but uh, yeah, I just um, I kind of took over half a or so of Dad's shop. Thanks, Dad. Um, and, uh, um, you know, he's done circle track stuff for so long. I think he enjoys more classic cars and things like that now. But um, yeah, I just uh, I got into whatever basically at the time. Like, hey, like I'm starting from scratch. Whatever job, like um, building mini stock bodies and and you know and and setting up late models and you know everything in between. Um, and obviously, I, I, I would like to eventually transition more into like a rental type deal just because there it, it's you could focus more because right, right now I'm, I'm so in so many different directions. I'm trying to find people yeah. to come work for me. Like I never thought that'd be a problem, like trying to find employees. Um, you know, like when I first started, I'm like, well, I hope I have enough to keep me busy. Like I work 12 hours a day every day, even you know, I take a break on Sundays or whatever to watch football or NASCAR for a little bit and go back to work. It's, it's crazy how busy it's become. And it's, it's a great problem. Like you, uh, yeah. it's going from being miserable and sitting in an office, cold calling people to like working my own schedule. If I want to work till 10 o'clock at night so I can take tomorrow off or whatever I can. Yeah. And, uh, it's been fun. Like yesterday, uh, I, or two weeks ago, uh, I wanted to run, they had the enduro race at Inverness. It's, super fun yeah. like, i cannot believe how fun it is to blast off with 80 cars on the track and a little accurate but i had two clients racing the same weekend i'm like hey this is my fun night i'm off this weekend you guys are on your own so i had to go to new Smyrna thursday and practice with with the watsons in their truck get it ready drop it off yep. then i had to take sozio's car to Auburndale friday and test it friday get their tires picked out and everything ready to go get leave it there for them saturday or friday night so then saturday i could go run the enduro race so 
it's just, yeah, it's just all over. There's constantly something happening. Like yesterday I was in New Smyrna testing again. Tomorrow I'll be back at Auburndale uh, with the sportsman again. And I'm, I'm, tr I'm building a brand new car for myself or for the business, like a house car basically for, because yeah. yeah. sportsmen, the, the popularity of sportsmen have, has exploded over the last couple of years. Yes. And um, I want to say it's, it's mostly because the, the amount of work, the professionalism level is identical to supers 10 years ago. Like whenever I was winning super yeah. races left and right, like this is the amount of setup technology, the amount of effort, the amount of, like I said, professionalism that goes into it is sportsmen have matched what supers year were 10 years ago. Supers be, yeah. now have almost lost kind of the fun factor to me because they're so complicated. They're so in depth and you're racing at so much money and people that can, that they can buy speed. You know, like the, the days of just showing up and out driving people or just working hard on your stuff, it's getting harder and harder to do. The sportsman cars have, have reached the level of competition supers were, but they're still affordable. So yeah. I said, I've invested and in, I'm building a, a brand new car that I might have done for next week at the 10,000 win race. Um, I'm probably going to go back to work here for a few more hours tonight to finish up uh, yeah. um, roof and windows and... Uh, left front fender and then that might be a stopping point for the night but um there's a ten thousand win race next weekend for, for sportsman cars i was trying to make it for that if i can um but i, I want to have that card to also as a business card to show that like if you want yeah. like next year ricky brooks is coming in he's going to run the new version of the wheelman series it's going to pay yes. almost triple the purse it's going to have like i said ricky backing it it's going to go to more tracks because, you know, I started building this car at the beginning of the year, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, Wheelman's kind of, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to do it again. I don't know if it's worth investing in. But once I heard, they said, you have the Snowball Derby Tech Man backing the new series. Yeah. And uh, the county weight, the big sponsorship behind the series is the, the purse mm -hmm. is going to pay, you know, late model purses for, for cars yeah. that, you know, people can actually afford to race. So I wanted to have this car done as a business card of, like, basically – if you want to order a brand new car, you know, I'm an option to order a car from. If you want to lease a car because you don't have time to deal with it or whatever, I have a rental option. Or if you want to bring your car to me to set up or whatever, or hey, if somebody wants to sponsor me to drive my own car, that's cool too. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I, and I've, I've really, I don't know if it's just a sign of getting older, but I've really enjoyed the process of the, the project of building the car from scratch. Like yeah. something I, I used to only care about driving it. Like the working on it was something I had to do and I enjoyed it, but yeah. it wasn't like the point. Now the, uh, the part of, of, you know, cutting it and, uh, and working with different people like, uh, like Rebecca Catarelli is an up and coming street stock driver that yes. works at Mike Copes and she's coming at, at nights after hours to help with me. And like, I'll cut a bar and get it bent or whatever. And be like, and let her, finish the grind and then weld it all in because she's a, a great welder and, yeah and teaching her some of the build process along the ways that that she's not familiar with or whatever and you know, like it that makes it fun and uh just, you know trying to tie in all aspects of it from start to finish racing wise like you said from from design process to setup process to to driving to whatever in between you know trying to to show that you know use that car to help promote my business more also and also for testing because i have clients that I have different setup ideas I want to try, but not all of them are like, yeah, go spend $1,200 on that. Let's see if it works. And I can yeah. try it on my car and say, hey, it picked up this much. We need to spend this on your car to do it. Yeah. You know, like I can use it as proof of concept, basically. So 
a handful of different reasons going into that. And it's going to have a throwback scheme on it too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we can't wait for that, man. It's you've got, you've had an incredible story uh, to get where you are. And it it feels like these next few chapters for you, uh, potentially even just here in the near future, and even looking in ahead a little bit to next year, I mean, man, you've got you've got a lot of promise in terms of where you can grow your business, where you can develop your program. Like you mentioned, I mean, there's there's a there's a lot of really good uh, development programs that have been coming through this state, and, and I think you can just add to that. And like the sportsman division is so it's so cool to me because it it, it was already a popular division, but I see like you had mentioned how guys that were running supers 10, 15 years ago that don't quite have the budget anymore. Like you mentioned, it's the perfect series for them to come and run. And it felt like a few years ago, we had like 30 people running trucks around the state. And a lot of those younger guys have now wanted to move up. And the sportsman division, it's just kind of like a combination of everything just boiling over at the perfect moment. And like you mentioned, with Ricky Brooks taking over the Wheelman series next year, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know we've got a, a, a big race coming up uh, at Auburndale this weekend. I'm assuming we'll we'll see you there. But uh, you know, short term, what are your plans? You'd mentioned the ten thousand to win race. What are your uh, plans here for the rest of this year? So yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to plan because I I work for different people. So whenever they want to go race, yeah. it's hard to say no to like for definite pay versus you know keep clients happy. Um, so yeah, this weekend we'll be at Auburndale with with uh, with Tim Sozio in the sixteen car. Um, that thing, like it's, it's, he's been so right there. Like the last I know, race, I yeah. feel like, you know, in race trim, we were one of the best cars, but started sixth, then got ping ponged around and shoved all the way back to 12th. And he had to drive back up to fourth. And he's like, man, it's the best car in race trim I've had. We just bad circumstances. The previous race, we started fifth or whatever and drove up to third. And all of a sudden he's like, best car I've ever had in race trim again. And it just got worse and worse, worse, came in, had a flat tire, had 10 pounds in right front. It's like, Ugh. Um, so yeah, Auburndale this weekend with him, uh, hopefully everything survives or minimal work needed. And then we'll go to Citrus for the 10 K next weekend, um, with, with him racing. And then also maybe me, if I get enough sleep to get the car done, <laughs> um, it's got about a half a body in it on it, no motor in it yet. So it's, it's, it's coming along, but it's going to be a little iffy. Uh, after that, um, the 30th, I might go to Punta Gorda with my dad's super because I just I haven't had time to work on mine. Um, I put a bunch of effort into it for a race that, again, got canceled. There's I, The free weekends and the tire shortage lines up in perfectly perfect for me. Uh, <laughs> um, I do want to run the full throttle, and I do want to run the bigly as a driver. Um, unless somebody comes up with a bunch of money and wants to rent my car, I, I want to try to win one of those two races. Yeah, um, absolutely. Improve, like I said, driver-wise, I still have it. So, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird blend of, like I said, I, I obviously, I love driving. I always love driving. Um, but you know, like I said, I'm 35 now and, and have the ability to make, you know, decent money doing this. Uh, yeah. it's unless somebody wants to come up and pay me a pile of money to drive my own car, it's hard to, to turn down the, and it's a, it's a different type of fulfillment of, like I said, with like with the socios of where we took a car that was running you know, getting lapped and, and you know yeah. like the 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 frostbite two years ago he literally spun out by himself after getting lapped this year we went down there and set fast time and was one of the fastest cars and just got caught up in that big pile that took out half the field you know like the, just to 
to see the excitement in the whole family and they're, you know, they're coming in and they're, you know, setting up and grilling food for everyone whenever they get there and they're excited to be there. And you're like, Oh, I brought you your favorite beer, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, it's, it's, it's cool. Like I said, it's a different type of fulfillment to, to help someone else reinvigorate their love for the sport. So, um, like I said, I'll always love to drive. I'll probably always drive something. Uh, like two weeks ago, uh, somebody asked me to qualify their pure stock for them in Auburndale because they were going to be late. And there was 31 of them there, and they were worried they are going to be stuck in the V-Main, and I set fast time. And I haven't <laughs> driven a pure stock in five years or whatever. It was yeah. That was a, it was a good ego shot just for the hop. And like, you know, it was funny, like, especially at Auburndale where I, I dominated with late malls for so many years. A lot of those guys are like fans of mine or at least aware of who I am. And I pull into the X after you know being fired, I pop out of the car, and they all look, and they're like, you were driving it? Oh, <laughs> man. But, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, no, he'll be here in a little bit. I'm, I got to go back to work. I got to put my headset back on Kruchi from, from my truck tonight. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's been a fun ride. Like, I, I never thought it would take off so busy as it is. But, like, I mean, even other people like you and Travis Rowland texted me that it is like, hey, do you have any free time to come help? I'm like, I was hoping you did. I'm like, nope, all right. Um <laughs> It's it's great yeah. the uh, like I said the resurgence of, of racing in general like hopefully we keep the the momentum built up and keep it rolling um, it's just it's good for everybody in the sport for for you yeah. for me for everybody so yeah very very few people can can make money in racing these days and, and you know and if you can if you can make it successful I mean that's that's huge and like you mentioned you know much with life you know it's about relationships and you seem to be really enjoying what you're doing who you're working with uh, and it's just great to see. You know where you've in just a short time here, where you've been able to take your own business and, and still having an opportunity to get behind the wheel and, and race some. You know, man, it's it seems like you're really just you're 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 killing it right now, man. You're you're loving life. That's it's what it looks like, you know, from the outside here. Yeah, just trying to stay busy every day and and uh, like I said, just enjoy it as much as possible. And that's like I said, whenever you you go through a span of doing something you don't enjoy, it makes you really appreciate yeah. like what you had. And now. Like I said, even the weekends that I have off or whatever, I'm still at the track. Like last weekend, I went and helped Rebecca on her street stock, and uh, you know, and, and ended up having her her best race to date it at Auburndale, and it was fun, like sprinting out on the front stretch to take pictures for third place in a V8 bomber race or pure stock or whatever. Like, um, you know, it, it's cool, you know, to trying to help as much as possible. And like I said, my my night off, I'm still at the track working. So, yeah, it's just uh, you know, like the. I mean, it's a stereotype, but it, it, it is true that racing is a family. Like you have built-in friends and um, like one of uh, a friend of mine's wife who just doesn't like racing and doesn't go very often. She's like, I don't know why you guys like to do this. And I'm like, well, look at this. Like where the three of us are here hanging out, we get to hang out two or three times a weekend or a, a month. I'm like he lives in Fort Lauderdale. I live in central Florida. He lives in Georgia. What else are we going to do to where we out as friends and, and enjoy each other's company? that you know other than this like it 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 serves many factors other than just you know driving cars in a circle but yeah. i also love to drive cars in a circle so it works out <laughs> well daniel man we appreciate you taking some time to come on and chat with us man your story like i said it's uh it's really cool to see where you've been uh you know what you've been through and, and where you at to, where you're at today is is really cool I uh, appreciate you taking some time to come on and talk to us uh i'm sure i'll see you at the track here i'll probably see you this weekend actually uh, and look forward to seeing yep. you oh. a little bit down the road here. And uh, anybody, uh, anybody, you want to give a quick shout out to before we wrap it up? Yeah, I'm just uh, obviously to shout out to Alec for for trying to build his little empire here with, with hype motors and uh, all yeah. the 
all the work and, and everything he's put into it. Like he's, he's been a great friend and, you know, we co-owned a, a, a race car for like a week that didn't go well for a bunch of different circumstances, <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was fast. Um, uh, yeah, my, my dad for obviously letting me take over half of his shop and not really pay him very much rent. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just, um, I said, everyone who makes racing fun, makes it worth it. makes it, you know, something we, we dream about every day going to do like, you know, there's, there's a pile of people there where we just look forward to going and battling against or with or whatever. Uh, it makes our, our sport so fun. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, we look forward to seeing uh, what you guys got down the road. And uh, I think you got some big things coming here for the rest of this year and, of course, looking forward. So we appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to seeing you again here soon. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, – Daniel Webster, man, what a what a great interview. Uh, great to kind of you know take a look back down down the road and where he's been and and seeing where he's at, man. It's it's really cool and some really really cool stories there. Appreciate him taking some time to come on and talk with us here this evening. Don't forget, stay tuned to Hype Motorsports' social media pages here coming up here later this week. We've got a big announcement coming up. Can't quite drop the news just yet, but you are gonna want to check that out. So be sure to check out Hype Motorsports not only on Twitter and on Facebook and all of our social media pages. And again, a big shout out to Daniel Webster coming on and chatting us here on the Get Hype podcast. I'm Jake Wilson. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to uh, like, uh, share, rate, and review. And uh, look forward to having everybody back on again here for the next edition of the Get Hype podcast. And again, thanks to Daniel Webster. And we'll see you guys next time on the Get Hype podcast. 